Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with our guest host, uh, Aram, who, and we thought we'd have a conversation on uh, staying safe in COVID. So this conversation is probably long overdue, and uh, given her background as an ER nurse, so we thought uh, you'd have a great perspective in terms of uh, discussing. So right now, we're recording in, in July 2021. Uh, the, the province, the, the country, the world is starting to open up a little bit. Uh, the vaccination rates are, are a little bit uh, on the rise, and depending on which part of the world is, folks are, are getting a little more optimistic, and, and maybe it's also the, the, the sun shining and the warmer weather in, in at least the, the northern hemisphere. Um, but but it's still a time where, where folks need to stay uh, vigilant, right? Because we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, but there's so many pieces of advice uh, like and, and information, misinformation. So we thought uh, we'd have a conversation on, on kind of what's the most important parts of it. So uh, we all know that that uh, we need to wash our hands more and, and, and wear masks and stuff. But, but do we? Uh, I actually was just having a conversation with someone this morning and they had mentioned like, well, masks are not effective. So uh, what are some of the things that, that you would want to confirm or deny and say, okay, what, what's important about staying safe in, in COVID? Hi, thank you so much for having me again. Um, definitely washing your hands reduces transmission of any disease. That's just kind of like the, stand, the standard of any disease. Um, wearing a mask is very important because of the mode of transmission of this disease. Um, there have been a lot of, you know, uh, debates as to see whether it's droplet versus um, an airborne disease. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's the, there's the issues on like, you know, people are still getting it, you know, they go out and then, you know, they still contract the disease and somehow it's like, how did you get, how did you get it? Or how yeah. did I get it? Was the question, right? So, you know, you have to also think about different things like, I mean, it could also involve the type of mask that you're wearing. Mm -hmm. A cloth mask versus the surgical mask versus a respirator makes a very big difference. Sure. Um, a cloth mask is not as effective, but it is better than wearing no mask at all. Sure. And a surgical mask is obviously much better than wearing a cloth mask. And of course, the best one is an N95 or NIOSH respirator. Right. So if you can obviously get your hands on those and purchase that, you can wear one of those. Um, I think the other thing is possibly exposure time. Mm. So if you're around someone um, that is not wearing a mask, then highly likely there is going to be some exposure there. Right. But if you're both wearing masks, um, it's going to reduce the, the transmission. I mean, in terms of whether you get it or not, sometimes is a bit difficult to say. So again, it's like exposure time. So there have been some studies that have said that, you know, it goes up to 15 minutes. If you go beyond 15 minutes and you're not properly protected, then chances are you probably will contract COVID. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's an uh, interesting uh, per perspective and a lot of useful information in the sense that, well, a lot of it is, is at the end of the day, risk mitigation, right? So uh, you can't protect yourself from anything and everything right? at some point. You have to live your lives. You have to go out there, get some groceries and things like that. So to your point about uh, minimizing exposure, I think that, that that's kind of the key. Uh, so for those of you who uh, 
want to wear a mask or don't want to wear a mask. It's, uh, the main thing is trying to stay out of the, the hospital, stay out of the ER, and then, well, staying away from, from Aram in that context, because <laughs> she, she doesn't want to see you, <laughs> I guess, uh, in, in there. Um, so, so what are some of the common things that, that I guess you've seen during the, this pandemic? And what are some of the things that uh, people could potentially do to stay out of, of the uh, ER? So, so definitely it, it's, it's the washing of hands and, and wearing masks. Are there other things that, that, that folks could do to, to stay out of the ER? Um, I would definitely say um, go for essentials only. Mm-hmm. Try to limit your visits. Um, follow public health guidelines. So, you know, we're now in stage two currently in Ontario. Mm -hmm. So follow those guidelines accordingly in terms of the number of people that you you can have indoors versus outdoors. Try not to go for things that are non-essential. Get vaccinated, please. I do understand that there is a lot of controversy on vaccines, um, but like any vaccine or any medication that you take for anything, there is going to be a bit of a side effect from it. I myself am fully vaccinated and I can tell you that it has helped us so much because we're frontline and we've dealt with patients that are the sickest of the sickest with COVID-19, things that we've seen that you can't imagine. People don't fabricate shortness of breath and come in. People don't want to be placed on life support on a ventilator. That's not news that you want to give your family members or that you want to give to others. So please get vaccinated. Very, very important. And, you know, again, follow public health guidelines, really, really important and only go for essentials. And, and what about the folks uh, that, that kind of say, hey, now I'm, I'm double vaxxed and I'm, I'm safe, I'm invincible <laughs> and start kind of doing kind of anything and, and everything. What, what would you say to, to folks in, in, in with that perspective? Stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, slow down, stop right there. Yes, you're vaccinated, but that doesn't mean that COVID isn't entirely eradicated just yet. Sure. This is why we need to go in slow stages while reopening and not to jump the gun. You know, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can go in a crowd of 500 people and think you can do whatever you want or just jump on a plane and and go to Hawaii or go off to the Caribbean and 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 you know, and while that's all very, you know, promising and and very tempting, we still have to be mindful because this is a very new disease. It's a very novel disease. And we're still trying to discover new things about every day. And on top of that, there's a lot of variants. Variants are the issue. Different types of variants can actually increase transmission rates, but also increase hospitalization stays. Most probably most importantly, most notably ICU admissions and being on life support. So very important to take note of that. Yeah, and what I've heard from from that perspective is that yes, you might be uh, vaccinated and kind of impervious and immune <laughs> to to the current uh, COVID strain, but then uh, if other people who aren't, and then that's when um, things can start mutating and, and turning into these variants that you might not be uh, immune to. So uh, the more that you can kind of uh, stay local and, and keep the, the spread intact, in then. Uh, the, the less likely you'll have to worry about these variants to, to begin with, and then we can kind of get back to whatever the new normal is going to be, but at least to something that, that's a little bit more open and, and, and available and free so folks can travel, visit loved ones, and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, how, how would you say that the, the COVID experience ha- has changed you? So I, I'm, some of the, the work that you've done uh, would probably be affected as well, but how, how has it changed kind of the work that you do and, and yourself uh, in specifically? Well, furthermore, what I'd like to say is that I think a lot of people that are at risk are those with comorbidities. 
communities or those who are immunocompromised. So they do need to take more precautions when going out or going for essentials. Try to see if you can have limited contact or no contact, i.e. getting groceries delivered and so forth. But right. in terms of how it's changed and, 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 and tying that in with everything else, I think that COVID-19 should now have opened eyes um, of ev everyone's eyes. I think it should now have opened everyone's eyes, including that of the government, because, you know, this is a pandemic and, you know, the way things are handled, um, something should have been handled a little better, in my opinion. Right. And, you know, usually there's a disaster preparedness plan. And I think personally, when SARS and Ebola happened, I think that that should have been our wake up call to say, okay, if this happens again, this is what we need to do. And it seems as if that was not instated, you know, and I think that that's why a lot of things went through the cracks. There were a lot of loopholes and I just think that looking back on it, I think we need to really revise and, and state in a disaster preparedness plan um, in, across the country, in hospitals, in facilities, um, really not focusing on old facts or old science just to determine that it was a droplet disease when in fact it was airborne. I mean, COVID is, COVID to, is SARS too. It's mm. the sister disease of COVID, I'm sorry, it's the sister disease of SARS which was airborne. So, and now we have all these variants. So I think that, you know, it, it, it should really open a lot of eyes. It should really have a lot of revisions, um, ongoing research in terms of vaccines, um, per, like, you know, promoting vaccines and, and more research and developing more vaccines. Um, I think that it has definitely changed the way that we live our life. Mm -hmm. um you know the way that we used to live so carefree and just quickly say yeah i'm just gonna go out and meet this person for dinner and stuff well now it's a little different it's like okay well should i meet this person for dinner right it's even like human affection is now in question it's like mm -hmm. well shaking hands probably not a good idea giving a hug probably not a good idea because of the risk of transmission right? You don't know where people have been. Even if the person assumingly thinks that they've been around people who are, you know, COVID free. Well, you know, sometimes that's what happens and they get COVID. And this is why they're like, oh, well, I don't even know how I got it. Right. And sometimes they're asymptomatic, but they test positive for COVID-19. Um, so, you know, in terms of healthcare professionals, how does this change our perspective on things? Um, we continue to enforce a lot of the things that I just discussed for our patients and their families. Um, mental health wise, a lot of healthcare professionals are very burned out. Um, they have chosen to leave the profession. Um, there's high turnover. It's not a big surprise. Um, you know, they they decide to either leave the profession or go branch off into a different aspect of the profession so they don't have to see so quote unquote so much trauma that they've seen with all the covid patients they'd have to deal with like you know when you have covid you become very sick right and some people become so sick that they end up on life support it's right. not really a joke because you know to all the people out there that don't really believe it people don't fabricate shortness of breath right you know it's the hardest thing to see when someone cannot even breathe when they're struggling to breathe that's a painful sight so 
you know, it, it's changed a lot of the aspect. Um, some people are staying strong as best as possible and trying to take um, advantage of a lot of the um, resources available for counseling um, for healthcare professionals, which is called an EAP, the mm -hmm. Employment Assistance Program. Um, other people resort to other things um, to help them de-stress. Like, you know, it could be exercise, it could be listening to music, it could be writing, it could be journaling, uh, spirituality, prayer, meditation. And um, I mean, an another thing is, is that, you know, the crunch of, of, of the lack of healthcare professionals. So for example, a lot of the nurses that are choosing to leave the profession is very evident. And that's why you can see that there's a mass turnover and a lot of places are trying to offer um, cash incentives to pull nurses in so that they'll right. come in. So they'll have a, a large sign-on bonus and then offer a high pay rate per hour. And I, I really think that in terms of that perspective, like, yes, it's a, it's, it's a one-time, like, it, it is a good idea. I mean, don't get me wrong, it will attract a lot of people, but it also says a lot in terms of what's happening with a profession like people mm. used to want to go and work because they wanted to work or people had that passion to go and work but now they have to use a cash incentive to drag people in to say come work here here's your sign on bonus of ten thousand dollars if you sign a contract for one to two years or you can get like you know some places are going as high as maybe even really, really high. I'd even say maybe $50,000 to say here, stay with us for about, you know, four years. Here's your sign on bonus. Plus you get this, plus you get that. And you get a high uh, pay rate as well. And while that all sounds fascinating, it's a very, it's a very band-aid fix for a long-term problem. For sure. Because it's like, what, what happens after the pandemic? Right. So and if the pandemic slows down. So, so yeah, that's just from what I tell you in terms of experience, what I've seen um, and what's been going on. Yeah, so there's a, a lot to, to unpack in there. And, and uh, it sounds like that uh, for those uh, out there that are eager to go uh, into the healthcare profession, uh, profession, there's probably gonna be a lot of opportunity because it sounds like that a lot of people are, are moving out and and because they're, they're burned out and stuff. So. Uh, might be some opportunities there, uh, especially given that they're giving this kind of incentives. I, I almost think that's kind of like like danger pay, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Basically, equivalent of, of that. Um, and and uh, other things th th that you mentioned where uh, people talk about like being vaccinated and and well, some, a lot of people have had side effects uh, and, and they've been then out for like a, a couple of days here and there. Uh, but some of the discussions that I've been having is like, well. That's basically uh, COVID light, right? <laughs> so you're basically having these side effects, but imagine having the real onset of full-on COVID <laughs> would have been uh, much, much worse. So, so just be prepared uh, or, or just think th that uh, from that perspective. So uh, if, if you think that's bad, then the, the real thing would have been uh, even worse. And, and I'm glad that folks are taking things like the uh, employment assistance programs and, and the government and different companies are doing a whole bunch of things in order to help folks because it is a challenging time. Uh, and it, it'll be interesting to see how we start moving forward as 
um, more of the kind of the, the, the back to work orders are, 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 are created and, and more people are going to go into the office. I, I'm guessing there's going to be more of that kind of hybrid where it's going to be a couple of days a week, uh, minus the ones where like you really have to be in the office. Um, but a, a lot of companies are saying, you know what, we can work remotely. So why don't we do that more, more often? But uh, yeah, so what would be your, your hopes in terms of like, how do we move forward, right? So, so the province is opening up, we'll be at stage three soon and, and uh, ho hopefully fu fully open. But at the same time, uh, th this is something where we're probably gonna have to live with it um, in, in the sense that we wouldn't, shouldn't be surprised if there's like a, a COVID 2029, <laughs> right? In a couple of years, because well, SARS was uh, like 2002, uh, e Ebola was, uh, I forget what, what number, 2000 and something. Uh, but it sounds like it's probably going to be every, I don't know, decade or so, there's going to be something. So hopefully, as you said, it opened our, our eyes. But but what do we do for, uh, not not maybe uh, if, but but when the next outbreak happens? How, how do we stay kind of diligent and, and, and continue on uh, to prepare ourselves for, for, for that uh, next time? Take this experience and apply it for the future and i urge disaster preparedness plans review revise and state very important um i do understand that we're probably going to end up in the final stage of opening very soon but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that everything is already back to normal right just like any communicable disease it's going to cycle through but the problem is, is that there's so many different variants with so many different forms of transmission. And, you know, it's still, like I said, an evolving disease. It's very new and it's very evolving. So we still have a lot of research to do. I would just strongly suggest everyone to just stay safe, continue practice and measures, um, you know, get vaccinated, very important and you know try not to go in large crowds at this time it's too soon mm -hmm. it's 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 way too soon to get involved in things like that we're not at that stage yet where we have zero cases we still have cases trending sure and i mean yes we had a third wave but then the question is is there going to be a fourth wave right they're 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 discovering variants all the time so if that variant becomes popular that's going to be our fourth wave we already had a third wave where we had the UK variant, and now there's the uh, the spread of the Delta variant um, that was found recently, I believe, from India. And of course, it's spreading. And so, you know, when they find these variants and the and the level of danger that these the, these variants and and the symptoms that they cause, which is shortness of breath and 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 people end up on oxygen and on, on ventilators and things like that. These are things we have to consider. I mean, like, is it really necessary? Like I said earlier, is it necessary for you to go to a huge rave or a party of a five hundred people immediately? I personally don't think so. Mm. I mean, yes, you can enjoy your life, but I think that you have to be very cautious on how you do so. Yeah, what you know, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I said uh, you know a lot of people are just making the assumption like, okay, it's it's over, it's done. It's not it's it's not quite over yet. I still think we we really need to be um, you know very very cautious with the way that um, we live, and it's very unfortunate that we can't live as carefree as we used to, um, but it's now become this is now our new normal right 
And, and what I took from that is, I, I mean, a, a little bit of caution, but but a, a lot of hope as well in, in the sense that, well, caution in the sense that, well, we're not out of the woods yet, so to speak. Right? So we probably need a, a little bit more time before we kind of have those mass gatherings and, and whatnot. Um, but th there is hope in the sense that, well, we probably won't be that far away from it. It might be a, a, a few months, hopefully by the end of the year, maybe even sooner or who knows. Um, but it's really up to us in the sense that if, if none of us do anything too silly, <laughs> then uh, the, the time frame will be shorter um, because then we won't have any more of those, those variants. But at the end of the day, uh, it, it will be kind of that, that wake-up call uh, for a lot of us and for your point about the disaster preparedness where at the end of the day, uh, it'll likely happen again in, in, in most of our lifetimes, right? So in, in kind of like the 10-year mark. Um, there'll, there'll be something. So when when it, the COVID 2029 comes or whatever it's going to be, we'll be a little bit more prepared, probably a little quicker to react and, and kind of know how to handle it a, a little better so that we can uh, not have to spend, what is it, almost two years or a year and a half <laughs> in, in this in this sort of situation. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're, we're, we're moving forward in, in the right direction and, and let's still stay, stay vigilant in the next little while. So are there any kind of last uh, parting words as we close off this, this episode in terms of how to keep people safe or some things to think about as they're uh, in this kind of COVID situation? Take it heavily into consideration. COVID is no joke. And as I've stated earlier, SARS and, and Ebola was our, should have been our wake up call. This is now our reality check because i mean pandemics have been happening for quite some time and even though this might become eventually eradicated something else may pop up in the future so the only thing i just have to say is stay safe uh, on that note uh, thanks so much Aaron, for joining us and hopefully we'll have you back for another episode thank you so much thanks for joining us on the swike stuff i wish i knew earlier the podcast if you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.